0: Hi, I'm Ruth Schwank, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, you are in for a treat today because I am so, so excited that Pat is going to be speaking with a friend of mine who is was actually one of my very, very first contributors on TheBetterMom.com almost a decade ago, and her name is Ruth Chow Simons, and I just, if you don't know Ruth Simons, you've got to know her. She is so amazing, and I just, it's incredible to just see over the years um, how God has grown her ministry. And actually her husband, um, and her both were contributors at For the That's Family. Right. Yep, absolutely. Troy. Troy. Troy and Ruth were, were both contributors at For the Family. But years that seems ago. like a lifetime ago. Boy, it sure does.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> you're right, it's so neat to see, you know, mm-hmm. their ministry and, and her mm-hmm. ministry in particular with, with the new book that we're talking about today just continue to to grow and expand and um, such an incredible uh, new book that she has coming out, and so just as I, I know um, going to be a great conversation, mm-hmm. I think one that our listeners will really appreciate.
0: Mm-hmm. And The title of the book is When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And if you know Ruth, you know why. This is such a great message to hear from her. I mean, she is the real deal, and I have, again, known her for years, and I love when I can say, like, I know her personally. Um, because I, you know, in the online world, you know, there's so many people on the, in the online world and to know somebody and to watch them over the years, just follow the Lord with all their heart and, and, and soul and just preach this, this message of hope, um, year after year, she's just the real deal. And I know you're going to be blessed by her. So let me share a little bit more about Ruth before Pat gets started with her. Ruth Simons is a Wall Street Journal best-selling and award-winning author of several books, including Grace Laced, Beholding and Becoming, and Foundations. Her first Bible study curriculum, Truth Filled, released in 2020. She is an artist, entrepreneur, and speaker. By the way, if you haven't seen her art, it's incredible using each of these platforms to spiritually sow the word of God into people's hearts. Through her online shop at gracelaced.com and her social media community, Simon shares her journey of God's grace intersecting daily life with word and art. Ruth and her husband, Troy, are grateful parents to six boys, their greatest adventure. I just know that you are going to love hearing from Ruth. So let's get going.
1: Well, as we mentioned just a moment ago, uh, our guest today is Ruth Simons, and so we're just really excited to have uh, Ruth on uh, the podcast today. She is the author of a brand new book called When Strivings Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace, and so uh, just excited to have her on and to hear more about the book, and so you're going to love hearing from her today. And so, Ruth, welcome to Root Like Faith.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Pat. It's great to be here.
1: Well, Ruth, we we um, have known you and your husband for a number of years now, um, mainly from a distance. And so yes. uh, Ruth and I were talking about this last night, that you were a contributor on The Better Mom. It feels like 100 years ago now.
2: And but, for the family. And for the family, no, yeah, so both you and Troy. It's so special. I think of you all with such fondness because, really, for those of us who started blogging so many years ago together, um, we we really leaned on each other for those early days of learning yeah. how to – how to practice that message in public and to stay faithful in writing.
1: Absolutely. You know, you use the word faithful and it's so funny. Ruth and I talk about this all the time where, you know, we've been in online ministry now for, for 10 years. And, you know, like you said, like we've been kind of, you know, running and, and, um, you know, writing, blogging, doing all of those those things, and you you begin to see you know people kind of come and go over the span of that time, and there there are lots of people who who want to do certain things, whether it's blogging or writing a book or speaking, and they they don't persevere in that, mm-hmm. and um, you have certainly been one of those people that just have been faithful and persevered and continued writing and speaking, and so it's just really exciting to see all that God is is doing um, through your ministry, through your writing and speaking, through your art. Um, so we just, I know Ruth and I really appreciate uh, you and your husband and, and just the way you guys have been faithful uh, to run the race that God has for you. And so it's, wow. it, it's We feel to, the same out.
2: about you. And thank you for that encouragement, Pat. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, I'd love, I know um, most of our listeners are going to be very familiar with you, your writing, your speaking, but I'd love to just kind of hear more of your personal story before we get in mm-hmm. and talk about, you know, the brand new book, uh, When Striving Cease. I'd love to kind of hear your story, um, you know, just growing up. And uh, when you came to faith in Jesus, and so let maybe let's just start there.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's just fun to finally, after all these years, really kind of dive into the backstory, the backstory of why grace is the cornerstone of my ministry and my life and why I named my organization Grace Laced. And, you know, it really starts at the beginning where um, I was born in Taiwan, and I immigrated to the United States when I was four. And As you can imagine, as a four-year-old learning a new language, um, trying to live between the Eastern and the Western mindset between two worlds, I immediately started trying to measure my self-worth by just my cultural context everything from my asian asian background where a lot um a lot of values placed on achievement and academics and being the best and doing your best and bringing honor to your family and not bringing any version of embarrassment or shame or disappointment to your parents um you know that kind of society that kind of modeling of um really oh goodness just the pressure that a lot of um mm-hmm. A lot of young people feel in the Asian um, American paradigms, but as well as really, you know, you don't have to be from an Asian background to really see that even in Western culture, we are so obsessed with measuring, right? I mean, uh, all you have to do is get on Instagram and really kind of immediately know that we can be slaves to algorithms and um, constantly wonder how many downloads we have, how many followers we have, whether or not we've, um, you know, reached the people that we're trying to reach with whatever product or message we have. It's not wrong to measure, but we feel this pressure constantly. And so, you know, growing up between trying to belong, like by bringing the right lunch and by wearing the right jeans and trying to understand how to be um, somebody in this new context, I really had a hard time, Pat, understanding the gospel when I was finally... um, when someone finally shared the gospel Mm -hmm. with me, I think it was at VBS and then later on at a youth camp. And um, I I had little opportunities to hear the gospel. And it seemed really, really odd to me because my whole life seemed to be um, based on the idea that you get what you deserve and you earn the approval of others and you earn belonging, you earn favor. And so the idea that God would through his grace do something that doesn't depend on me, it took a while for me to understand that. So that's really is my story of how, um, grace got a hold of my life and not just grace, like this pretty fun little idea of, you know, something that we stick on our coffee mugs and just kind of feel warmed up by this idea of grace, but no, that the grace of God, the biblical, um, definition of grace truly transformed my life and has really been, um, what sustains me day by day as it should. But um, I really am so blown away by it that I do think it's amazing grace and would love for others to experience it as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, were your parents Christians at the time? Like, My
2: what... mom and dad had been exposed okay. to the gospel, but they weren't walking um, with Christ until we were all, like when I was in eighth grade, um, kind of towards my beginning of high school years was when they finally come, came to saving faith and. Mm really recognized, um, that they had never understood who God was.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. You know, I I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor and I remember I've shared before on our podcast that I remember as a young kid, just, you know, loving to read the Bible. Like it was just something I enjoyed to do just, again, God's grace, God was pursuing me, um, you know, far before I even understood what it meant to really have a relationship with him, what it meant to trust in Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. And um, and so I was really blessed to kind of grow up in, in that environment. And I felt like I, I understood grace. I understood the gospel, you know, the good news that God saves us, we don't save ourselves. I, I understood that, you know, theologically, biblically, you know, as as I got older, and yet the experience of that, like, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing, isn't it? You know, I I think sometimes we, our theology, I don't know who said it, but our theology needs to invade our reality. And I had good theology, even, I mean, my goodness, I'd been to Moody Bible Institute for my undergrad and, you know, master's and, and, you know, doctoral um, program out at Biola. And not that I never experienced, you know, God's grace or or his love, but, um, but there are those times, those moments where I feel like we just, they're light bulb moments, aren't they, where, where we just begin right. to understand God's grace in a, in a fuller, deeper way. And so were there moments um, that that you experienced God's grace, uh, understanding the, the gospel in a deeper way, that really um, served as kind of a motivation for, for writing this particular book, When Striving Cease?
2: Well, you know, Pat, I love that you just shared your experience because that's so similar to even— um, mind as I came to faith, you know, because I was surrounded by um, this new community called the church and yeah. immediately I got busy, right? So mm, many of yeah. us kind of get busy and we immediately go, well, I'm going to serve. I'm going to help out with children's ministry. I'm going to read my Bible. And so many of us understand grace saved by grace. Oh, I am my, I'm forgiven. And and that's the best news ever. Right. But I think what we don't, we miss sometimes is that there's, it's so complicated. It seems so complicated, right? It seems so complicated to really walk through, walk with somebody through Romans or through the concepts of like, what is the law and what is grace? And, and that really, I wasn't really discipled in that, Pat, Mm -hmm. until like, by the time I got into college, I was like, wait, I don't think I really ever truly understood the purpose of the law. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I truly understood. And so I, I distinctly remember, and I wrote about this in the book, but I distinctly remember sitting in one of those luncheon meetings that college, you know, um, organizations, Christian organizations have for college students. And I'm sitting there and my college director, um, Dale was teaching through the Sermon on the Mount and um, it all sounded really familiar. You know, you've heard all those things said before, but for the first time, I really kind of, it kind of clicked for me that he was basically saying, hey, Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you can never jump high enough. You'll never measure up. Like you think you're being religious and good and you're doing all these good things and you're kind of better than that person next to you. But really what I'm telling you is that. There's no way you can be so amazing that you don't need the grace of God. You still need the rescue of Jesus Christ, right. even if you think you're doing religious, religiously good things or you're kind of keeping your life on the straight and narrow. And so I'd spent so much time trying to be the good Christian daughter, the good girl, the one who didn't smoke, drink, have sex, do any of the crazy you know, things right. that people who are worldly do. But some, but I never had been confronted with the idea that I was ruling my own life, and in yeah. that I was sinning, and I was yeah. um, far from God in a way that um, I thought only belonged to people who were outwardly sinning. But truly, in my heart, I was still trying to rule my own life, even though I had in my mind given some kind of declaration that you know Jesus is Lord of my life, but my life was living out in a way that would suggest that I wasn't sustained by grace. I was only saved by grace, but I kind of was still trying to sustain myself by my own means and good works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so funny how, you know, you, you just, there's no formula for that, you know? And I think, I think you even, even talk about that, that it's not, you know, A, B and C, and then you, then you get it. Um, And it just, it's always a mystery to me, you know, just how God does what he does and, and when he, when he does it, And, um, but boy, when that light bulb goes on, when you, when you understand the gospel, the love of God, um, it really is life changing. And, you know, just as you were sharing, you know, just a minute ago, I was thinking about, you know, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus and he gets, you know, really kind of into the middle of, of the book of Ephesus there, what obviously was originally a letter and it's like, he doesn't, and then he, then he begins to pray, you know, he prays that they would know the depth of God's love. And it's like, he, he's Mm -hmm. writing and it's like, he, it's almost like you can, you can hear him going. Boy, there's just there are no words for this. And so I'm just gonna put yes. my pen down and I'm just gonna pray for these people that they might yeah. know the depth of God's right. love. And mm-hmm. um and so I just was was thinking about that as you were you were sharing that and yeah, how life transforming it is when we fully understand um you know the, the, the grace of God, the love of God, um, and, and just how that it does. It it changes um everything. You you talk a lot about you know the gospel of self improvement. And so explain what you mean by the, the the gospel of self-improvement and what does that teach us? How does that really conflict or contradict with, with the gospel what you've been talking about?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I clearly work in the same industry that you and your wife work in and we, and for women, I would say, especially Christian women, there are more opportunities than for my sisters in Christ. We have more opportunities than we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we have we have an opportunity to share Christ. We can share our stories. We can write. We can um, minister to people from an online platform. There are so many opportunities. And yet when I look around, I sometimes think, wow, we have more opportunities than we've ever had before. And yet if you were to be honest and ask many women right now, they are more tired and more exhausted and more um unsure if they measure up, yeah. because there's just this constant barrage of um, formulas and ways in which to be better all the time. And yeah. what I mean by that is, you know, w- we have been made to receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, if you look at the, you know, the bookshelves or just what is the most popular in our culture, it's always what seems to be the good news of Try a little harder, yeah. improve yourself a little more, um, own your life a little bit better, and manipulate circumstances so that you can have the life you want. And so it's not that self improvement or, um, in, I mean, in Christ, sanctification is a becoming more like Christ. We're right. not meant to be stagnant. So there's nothing wrong with becoming more holy. And more disciplined and wiser and stronger. Yeah. It's that we're doing it in our own means and subscribing to a formula that ultimately relies on our own efforts yeah. rather than aligning ourselves with the truth of God's word. That's why I say it's a false gospel because we're putting our hope and we're thinking that it might be good news to pick up the newest formula for how to um, overcome fear or be the best version of ourselves. And the message that we're hearing over and over again is. If you just turn the corner, if you just get a little more discipline, if you just implement these five tools, if you're just fatter, faster, smarter, better, um, if you hustle just a little bit harder, you will get everything you want. And the problem is, at the end of the day, when we are anxiously striving to gain something for ourselves that we don't quite trust God for, then we put ourselves in the place of God in mm. our lives and we start worshiping self yeah. and not the creator who is meant to give us all those things. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's so good. So good. You know, um, I think for listeners just understanding I mean, really the New Testament talks about grace in a variety of ways, right? Grace is, is undeserved or unmerited favor, but, but grace is also this supernatural power um, you know, if some of our, our Catholic uh, brothers and sisters who might be listening, you know, grace is is sharing in the life of God. It's it's you know the life of God imparted uh, or infused in it. But it's that idea of yeah, there, there's a different kind of motivation um, when you understand the gospel when you when you receive the grace of God. And like you said, it's it's not that that improvement. Is necessarily in and of itself a bad thing, but but how we're trying to improve, or what it is that we're really pursuing, um, mm-hmm. is where we can we can really get in trouble. Um, I, I love how, you know, you. I was going to say real quickly too. I when you were when you were sharing that, it, I don't know who said it, but um, a number of years ago, I heard somebody say that that one thing you notice about the saints when you think about you know, different men and women throughout church history who've lived you know lives of, of heroic virtue. Um, one thing you notice about them is that the more full of God they became, the more simple their lives became. Hmm. And I remember hearing that; I thought, "Wow, that is so good!" Like when you think about, you know, whether it's Saint Francis of Assisi or just mm-hmm. different men and women who who lived, you know, godly lives, and they they pursued God and the things of God. Like the more full of God they became, the more like other stuff just didn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that they weren't still ambitious, um, but it, but the ambitions changed. Um, and all of those other things that that maybe mattered to them before, just they kind of paled in comparison. And I just have always loved that right. that phrase, and, that description. Um, and do you
2: think it's also because, in some sense, when you um, are, when everything is by God, through God, and for God, you're. Yeah aim becomes singular. Absolutely. So maybe it's yep. minimal and it's simplistic because your aim becomes so singular that's right. that, um, you don't go chasing everything new and everything possible yep. because really there are every, there are endless possibilities. And that's why I think we're so exhausted because there's endless, um, there are endless things that we can pursue and it keeps us on the never ending hamster wheel right. of self-improvement and self-betterment and self, um, optimization. You know, that's like that, that trendy word right now is like optimize yourself and your giftings and everything. And what, to what end, Pat, you know, ultimately if that end goal, if your aim is the greatest self optimization so that you can be known. And, um, I mean, even legacy can be tricky, right? Right. If it's about self-aggrandizement, if it's about optimizing yourself so that you can be at the core of, all things and that your happiness can be the number one priority in your life then you've missed the singular purpose of your life which is to bring glory to god absolutely which in the famous words of our friend john piper is that (laughs) the closer we are to glorifying him the more we are actually happy in the lord that's right and we are brought to our joy that we were meant for so uh, that singularity i think is just um really absent in our culture right now because we are constantly drawn here and there for every new way to satisfy ourselves yeah.
1: nope that is so so true yeah so so good I love you know for um, for our listeners you know you you divide um, the or the book is divided into two sections and really that that first half of the book first section you know you're really looking at the different ways that we strive and I love that word strive you know when I when I saw the book it's like oh that's such a such an appropriate word. I feel like that, that will resonate, um, you know, so well with somebody. I'm curious, how, how long did you wrestle with the right word? Um, cause I feel like that word is, yeah. is spot on in terms of just what we're what so many people in our culture are looking for.
2: Right. You know, what I really was, the, the title was a struggle because what I really want to say is, Hey, everybody study the doctrine of grace, because it's really important. <laughs> <laughs> What we really feel and what we know and what I wake up struggling with is I just want to go and like perfect my life so that I'll never feel discomfort or I won't suffer so I won't feel bad about myself. And that striving, that the sense of anxiously trying to um, tweak my circumstances and tweak myself constantly so that I will gain what I want, that is when you say the word strive, you can just feel it. Yeah. It's like that yep. tension. And so my, my desire was to have a title that would meet people in the place that they yeah. just, where they might just say, okay, yeah, I'm ready to just lay it down. I, yeah. I'm so tired of carrying all this pressure and this weight of trying to perform.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you nailed it with that word for sure. I love, love the title, love that, that word. Um, and so, yeah, I mean that first half the book, that first section, you're really looking at the different ways that we strive. And then the second half is really looking at the ways that grace changes everything. And so, you know, you're talking about, you know, those strivings you you mentioned and cover, you know, some of these, you you talk about, you know, just striving um, to please, um, striving for attention, striving uh, to be good enough, striving for approval, uh, striving to belong, um, striving to have it all um, striving to outrun shame. I mean, you Mm -hmm. cover a lot of ground and it just, it's so well written and, and you just, I think really hit on some key areas that, that people are really striving. I'm curious, which of those I'm, I'm looking at that list. I'm like, boy, yeah, I'm, I'm probably guilty of all of those. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but which of those just, as you think about your own life and in writing the book, which of those was, I don't know, which, which one of those was maybe the one you struggle with the most?
2: Hmm. Goodness, well, it was hard to just choose a few because this is probably my most vulnerable work. As um, you know, I all of those things really build upon one another. But I think, um, I think honestly, for me, it probably is the approval. It's wanting to be seen and known. And here's the thing: I think I say this in the book, but when we when we talk about wanting approval. Is it really the approval we want, or is it truly that we just want to be loved? Like at the end of the day, it's love that we're after. It's the welcome, it's the love, it's the saying, you're you're here. So like belonging and approval, they all go hand in hand. That's why all those chapters in the first section of the book really are inseparable in some ways, because at the end of the day, what we're all wanting is the assurance that we matter, that we that are one little life counts for eternity, that something about our existence matters and that the way we're made isn't a mistake and that we are loved for who we are and that we're not going to be rejected because we struggle with things. Those are all real feelings and we, instead of receiving what God has truly given us, um, by the means of grace for that welcome to be found in him. We then go chasing after it in so many other ways. And of course I detail some of those ways that I've struggled and want and wanted to find approval and belonging, um, or just that sense of self-worth from another means other than God himself.
1: Yeah. Was there a point, I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but was there a, a point where you, I hate to, I hate to use the word, fully understood God's grace. Cause I'm not sure we ever fully understand God's grace until we, till we get to heaven. But was there a particular experience or event where you feel like, boy, the light bulb just kind of went, went on for you as it related, just God's unconditional love for you?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I wish there was a really, really clear moment, at, but I would say my first, well, my three years in college really were impactful there because I think there was the first time that I um, really walked through that with somebody who's discipling me, but also walking through it with my peers and talking through it and thinking about it and wrestling with the things that college students wrestle with because, you know, I was dating, I was struggling within relationships, I was trying to figure out my life. So, you know, even for the listener here who may not be in college, but really going, I'm wrestling all these things that don't make sense in my life you can trace your way back and kind of go, okay, in what way am I wearing myself out trying to fix my life? And the light bulb finally went off that I am not meant to fix my life. I am meant to surrender my life. And the big difference there really had to come through, not just you know, we would like to think that a pastor could just tell us and we would say, yes, I trust you so much. You know, Pat, I'm sure as a pastor, you would love to just be like, I can say one thing. And, um, somebody will be like, yep, I trust (laughs) you. I know you're you're right. But the truth is we were meant to receive that through the word of God and to ultimately understand his character. And so, you know, there's no receiving God's grace until I reckon with how pitiful I truly was. And I mean, quite frankly, Pat, how it's, how unpopular can I be? Like, that's such an unpopular opinion to be on a podcast and say, guess what guys, we're so pitiful, you know, (laughs) because nobody wants to think that we are a, we are a, we are enough society, right? We are a, um, you're the best, you're the strongest, you go prove it to the world, get what you want society. But until, and I think, you know, I I quote this a lot, but I think it's Thomas Watson that said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Yeah. I'd say yep. the turning point in my life was when my sin really became bitter and that's mm. when the grace of God became sweet in my life yeah
1: but it's so good I, I think it's such an important point to make you know you, you quote um, I, I always think of, of the of the Spurgeon quote yeah the same you know same idea that when our sin is small our savior is small but when our sin is great our savior is great Amen. and how yeah. we need both of those right we need a we need an awareness of really how sinful we are, um, but also how loved we are. And you just think about, you know, the life of Peter, you know, of course is the classic example of that in the gospels who just, as he's following Jesus is so confident and, you know, all of those things that that we know already about the life Mm -hmm. of Peter, but it's not until he has self-knowledge or or greater Mm -hmm. self-knowledge when he sees his sin for what it really is, Mm -hmm. that he's truly gripped by then, you know, the restoration of Jesus and, you know, the forgiveness, the love. And that, that's what radically, changes him it's fun to read first peter you know much later in his life and just what a different Mm -hmm. man he is um and so i think that's such an important point there we need an awareness of our sin to, to truly appreciate um, what our Savior Jesus has done for us, and really how amazing that that grace is. Um, so, if Ruth were with me, if she was doing the the Ruth in our like family will will chuckle when they hear this. She's always getting to the point. Okay, now let's get practical. That, that's sort mm-hmm. of her line always. <laughs> and so, um, and so if she were here with me today, she'd be saying, "Okay, practically, um, yeah. how does that look? Like, where does somebody who's struggling with some of the things that you've been describing and that you that you cover in the book when striving cease? Like, where do they begin? What does it look like?" like to very practically stop striving mm-hmm. and to begin accepting God's grace?
2: Yeah. So first of all, I would say the number one thing that I think helps us overcome our tendency to striving is to actually be well nourished. I think we're all mm-hmm. striving on empty calories constantly. Mm-hmm. We don't really know the character of God. We don't really understand. I'm not saying all of us, but I think so many times we operate on empty and we haven't really thought through the love of God and what is truly ours in Christ. I don't think a lot of us wake up in the morning meditating and rehearsing our inheritance in Christ and what really is ours because of Jesus. And so then we run on empty and and naturally resort to our own resources, right? Mm. And so the first most practical thing I would say is rather than simply just say, "Hey, friend, go read your Bible." I would say, "Okay, start by saying like just choose, just choose one of maybe one of the epistles that Paul has been really careful to say, this is the character of God. This is who you are in Christ. And then I love to say, wait on, just wait for a minute. Don't go straight to the section. That's the put on, put off. And um, don't go straight to the, what can, you can do for him now? But, like, spend some time in the first part of that letter and think on, has that been amazing to you? Have you you been thinking about the preeminence of Christ in Colossians? Have you been thinking about how he is first and preeminent and he holds all things together, Colossians 117, right? Like, have you been thinking on that? Because the truth is, that will change your day. And practically speaking, I, I mean, we can it would be so fun to give you 10 ways to stop striving and never have that issue again. (laughs) But that's not true. The truth is that the the Christian life is a lot of dying to self and recognizing where your temptation to like rely on yourself, um, springs up. And then to, you know, as John Owen would say, you know, kill sin by preaching the gospel back to yourself. So my encouragement to you brother or sister listening is, um, to be amazed by grace once again, by going back to what God says about himself. And and rehearse that, spend some time meditating on it. If you need to listen to it while you read it, so it's not um, rote and stale and oh, go on a walk, listen yeah. to it spoken over you. So that's one practical thing. And yeah. leading into that, my second practical tip would be, um, sometimes we strive because we think it all depends on us. Because we're like, oh my goodness, my inbox is full. Um, because if I don't, Take care of this, then everything will fall apart. And it just feels like we're the masters of the universe, right? I mean, I mean, we just kind of think that we're so in charge. And so one of the practical things I do day by day truly is to turn off my phone, turn off my notifications, and get outside. It doesn't matter where you live. Um, I happen to live in Colorado where it is beautiful outside. But if even if you live in deep in the, the heart of a city, get outside. There is something that God has created that you had nothing to do with. And I'd love to say this ever since, you know, I even wrote about it, in Beholding Becoming, but the truth is we all access a sunrise. We all mm, have access yeah. to a sunrise or a sunset. And I don't know about you, Pat, but for me, if I start my day and set um, in my day, being in awe of God, yeah. then it puts me in my place, and it yeah. helps me real, realize and remember that I can lay my strivings down because I'm not really as in charge of everything as I think I am. And that leads me to a better prayer life. It causes yep. me to acknowledge Him um, and lean on Him. You know, Proverbs three, five, and six. You know, yep. that, to acknowledge Him in all my ways. And how do we do that? We do that by looking up and not looking down at our phones all day long.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It, it it just reminds me. I feel like we we live such exterior lives. Like it's so easy to go sure. through a day just reacting, you know, from yep. from one experience, one event, you know, one demand, one need, and just that need, you know, to live an interior life, to live, um, you know, out of of the life uh, of Christ that that lives in us. And it's so I, I love what you're talking about. Just you know, whether treating your Bible or getting out in particular, that that discipline for me was so important, um, especially as I, I was recovering from you know my stem cell transplants back in 2018 right. I would I would go for walks and that was so transforming for me for the reason that you shared like it just is good to feel small and and that's how I felt I would go out and I would walk and you just sort of look at creation and Michigan's beautiful. It's not. It's not as beautiful as Colorado. I hate to admit that, um, but I can't uh, wait
2: to visit. I've always. I mean, Michigan's always fascinating. I'd love to
1: visit. Oh well, we don't have mountains, so I, I. I. I've always told Ruth that out of all the states I could live in, if I wasn't living in Michigan, I would either live in California or Colorado. So we love <laughs> love Colorado, but yes, come visit. Uh, but yeah, we. I mean, I think that that discipline of just getting out and, and seeing God's greatness and His beauty, and and it just has a way of 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 humbling us, of reminding us of just how good. And great, you know, God is. And uh, boy, there's, there's an awful lot there. I know we could, we could unpack, but I, yeah, I appreciate those, those practical steps, you know, somebody can take. I think those are so, so important. Um, You know, thank you again for taking the time. I know we were talking earlier before we started recording. It's a lot of work to write a book and it's, I think just as much work to release (laughs) a book. And so I know you are, are incredibly busy uh, with, with, you know, the, the writings done and now the work, the hard work of releasing mm-hmm. it and, and getting the word out. And so, um, it's already having great, uh, great success and it hasn't even re- released yet. And so, um, and so we're just excited for that. And just, again, appreciate your ministry, your message mm-hmm. and, um, real quick, one last uh, really quick question, but where can folks go to either get a copy of the book or to follow you online?
2: Well, thank you for that. I would be honored to walk with you day by day and encourage you through my Instagram account at Ruth Joe Simons. That's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S. And um, you can find the book everywhere books are sold. And we've got signed copies at Barnes & Noble, as well as um, it's going to be on shelves at Targets nationwide on October 12th.
1: Fantastic. Well, again, the book is When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And again, we're going to link to your full bio. We'll link to the book and a link to where folks can follow you online or social media. And so we'll be praying for you as you release this book. And so, Ruth, thank you again uh, for your ministry over the years and just uh, for taking the time to be on Root Like Faith today.
2: Thanks so much.
0: Well, friend, we are so grateful you have joined us. And I hope that you were blessed by that conversation with Ruth. I just absolutely adore Ruth Simons. If you don't follow her, make sure that you follow her on Instagram because you, I know, I know that you will just love her. And um, her Instagram handle is Ruth Chow Simons, R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Um, Also, don't forget to check out her book, When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And again, we'll put everything that was in that conversation. We'll make sure that we put that in the show notes for you at RootLikeFaith.com forward slash podcast. We welcome you again into our family here at Rootlike Faith, and we would absolutely love it if you would do us a big favor and leave us a review or rating. We love reading those. We love sharing those. Um, it just takes a second, and it's a tremendous help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith. And be sure to tag us on social media so that we can share it as well. We're so grateful for your help in getting the word out. Okay, friend. well, we hope you have a great week, and we will talk soon.